Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Please check out our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and review our topics which cover a breadth and depth of issues relevant to business creators just like you. Also, check us out on your favorite syndication network and be sure to subscribe because you're going to get fresh content on a regular basis. Now today, we are going to have a very interesting conversation about changing the game and building a purpose-driven business that works without you. These are two key factors, purpose-driven business, that works without you. Because I've seen people go into business without really having a purpose or having lost their purpose, having become disconnected from their inner game. And I've seen what it's done to them. And listeners to the Business Creative Radio Show may recall that there was a period in my life where I kind of went through the same thing. I said that for a couple of years I didn't, want to know, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And the only marketing I really did for my company was hosting the Business Creative Radio Show which was great because I made a lot of great connections, got some good clients that I, most of them I still have, and I really enjoy them. And that's the power of podcasting and being a memorable in-demand expert and interviewing in-demand experts like the gentleman we have today, Barry Magliardini. And let me just tell you briefly about him, and then he's going to tell you a little bit about his journey. Barry is founding director of the Game Changers, and has been recognized for his thought leadership by the 30 Under 30 in 2015 of Business Award, and was chosen as Australian Coach of the Year for the 2016 India Innovation and Excellence in Business Coaching in Australia. He is a peak performance coach based in Perth, Australia, and is here to facilitate sustainable heart-based change that affects all aspects of life in a positive way. What you're going to really like about Barry is that he has a wealth of experience in business leadership and personal development, and he speaks regularly around Australia. The feedback that he receives from these speaking engagements is consistently phenomenal. He's passionate about life, as you're about to see, and he's passionate about business, as you're about to see, and he's driven to add value by humbly serving you, the audience of the Business Creators Radio Show. Part of his mission to give back, Barry is excited by the opportunity to share with you some of his wisdom, and as you would appreciate, his time is limited, so I'm going to encourage you to get the most out of this. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you go back and, enter, and listen to this again, because it's going to be a very good conversation. We're going to cover purpose. We're going to cover the idea of the business that works without you, and one of my favorite, pro, my favorite issues, inner game. So Barry, come on in. The weather's fine. Hey, Adam, how are you going? Couldn't be better. So what we like to do here at the Business Creators Radio Show is I imagine that there are some people leaning in right now. They're going to thegamechangers.com.au to discover more about you. They are Googling or binging or yahooing or duck-duck-going Barry Magliardisi looking to discover more about this man. So tell us a little bit about your journey and what brought you here today serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. 
Yeah, thanks so much, first of all, for having me, Adam, and uh, for all the listeners here today. Um, my journey started many, many years ago, um, long before my very first business, but I think the first business is most relevant for, for your listeners. And that was at the, at the ripe old age of 18. I uh, left high school and decided to go into my uh, going to apprenticeship straight away. So a lot of my friends were off to college. Uh, for me, you know, at that point in time, I knew that I wanted to, to be in the trades. I knew that I wanted to be a uh, cabinet maker, furniture maker, a uh, carpenter, I think you might even call it, in the States. And so I entered the workforce uh, directly out of high school. Not too long after I was in the workforce, I started to get bullied uh, from boss after boss after boss. And it, it led me to a position yeah. where, um, you know, in my 20s, I had this strong feeling and desire that I needed to leave my current boss. I was sick of getting the verbal abuse uh, from him day in, day out, and I just knew that, that I was worth a bit more than that. And the funny thing was is that this was a bit of a theme in my life, copying abuse from you know, kids at school, uh, copying abuse from people around me. And you know, one day this guy rang me up and told me uh, you know, basically a whole bunch of stuff that I thought, you know what, I'm worth more than this. It's time for me to, to, to leave this place having no idea what I was going to do or where I was going to go. It was three weeks later, I remember a conversation I had with my mum, and I said to my mum, this is really weird, but I'm worried that I'm not worried about employment. And for me, I was an avid warrior back then. I had a house at the time that I'd bought, um, not really too much money to my name. I had you know, mortgage repayments to pay. I had food to put on the table for myself. But yet, there was this sense of calm inside of me. There was this sense of knowing that everything was going to be okay. And it was shortly after that that I decided to run an ad in the local newspaper uh, to offer my carpentry services, and it was an ad that pretty much said, you know, no job too big or small. Having no idea where that was going to lead, it was just a, a logical next step from that point in time. Sure enough, over the next four and a half years, I built a, a multi-million dollar business. Um, one of the key things that that past employer said to me is that I was a terrible communicator and that I'd never amount to anything. And the funny thing was, is there was this spark inside of me that wanted to not just prove him wrong, to prove everyone wrong that had ever uh, told me that I couldn't do something or I couldn't be someone. And so four and a half years later, I built this multi-million dollar um, kitchen and bathroom renovation business. And the interesting thing was is that I built it with the, with the desire, with the focus that I would create something that would provide me some form of passive wealth that would work without me and uh, allow me to have time to be there with my kids when I had some. Because growing up, my father was always at work. You know, he, he was, he, bless him, he was doing what he thought he needed to do to, to, to raise myself and my three brothers. But it meant that I never had my father there at, you know, the school assemblies or my sports games or anything else like that. And often the only time I seen my father was, you know, when I'd been in trouble and I had to, to stay up to wait for him to get home from work to be punished. And, you know, sure enough, four and a half years in multi-million dollar business, but the interesting thing was, is that even though I entered that business to create this financial and time freedom, the funny thing was, is that I'd done the complete opposite. Not only had I created a business that heavily relied upon me, um, there wasn't a lot of money left at the end of the week either. So quite often, my staff and, and my suppliers would be paid long before I, I'd been paid. The business had grown very, very fast, and in the manufacturing business, um, it's definitely possible to grow too quick and suck all your cash flow out, but having no prior business experience, you know, marketing experience, sales experience, manufacturing experience, just having that trade behind me, it taught me a lot of lessons. And the interesting thing was that really opened me up to start to dive into this, what we call the inner game, the inner game of success. I was like, how could somebody enter this opportunity, this situation to grow this business, to provide 
both financial and time freedom to give me something that I hadn't had before. And yet even though that I went in with that goal, how could I create the opposite? How could I create the, the same experience that I had growing up with my father, but you know, almost on, on, on steroids as well? Because during that four and a half years, I'd, I'd met a woman, uh, we had a couple of children, and there was this massive realization about five, five and a half years into that business where I was like, holy hell, not only have I not created what I wanted, but I've created the same experience that I had growing up for my children, but worse. I was never at home at all, and when I was, I was angry, I wasn't present, I was you know, thinking about the business and how I could make things better or do things differently, and essentially, I built myself a multi-million job, but the moment that I stepped out of that business, uh, things would just fall apart. And that kind of led me to, to a significant, um, I suppose, divine intervention where I was placed in a situation where, where this woman said, you know, Barry, I'm out. Um, I'm taking the kids. I'm, I'm moving to the other side of the country to be with my, my family where I can get some support because you're never here and you don't support us. And that really hit me in the heart because I was like, man, everything I'm doing is for you guys. How could, how could my focus be on doing this for you guys and you'd be left in the experience where, you know, I'm not providing for you? And, you know, a few weeks later, what I realized is that we were both having the same experience, but on different sides of the globe. You know, she, all she wanted was for me to be there and to provide time, and all I thought that I needed to do was provide financial stability for the family. And that was sort of what led me to, to start my journey uh, as to where I am now, and I had no idea at the time that it would lead me to where I am now, but it forced me to a situation where I ended up having to file for bankruptcy. Um, so about eight and a half, nine years ago, uh, filed bankruptcy for $1.3 million uh, because I was put in a situation where I had a choice to either choose her or choose this, this business, this thing that I invested so much of my love and my time and my energy into. And although at the time it was a very selfish choice to, to choose her and the kids, it was a significant moment where I later realized that was the first time in my life I actually chose me. I actually chose what I needed to do for me. And essentially, that's what's opened the doorway into me being uh, where I am now and having the business and uh, you know, having the impact that we're creating now. Wow. See, you know, i got, I got to tell you, Barry, I felt like you were reading from my diary there. So many things <laughs> you and I have in common. Uh, I'm in, in no particular order, let's start with um, having the boss who abuses you and doesn't appreciate you. Now, I had a situation yeah. where... I started with the company. It was, I guess, would you say my first real job after I finished my undergraduate studies? And yeah. I should have known. See, I was so eager to get into a particular industry that I, you know, in my mind, I saw some of the red flags, but I just let them go. And let me give you an example of some of the things that were coming up that I just suppressed and didn't pay attention to. For example, this company allegedly had 20-some employees. That's what I was told. They had about 20-some, 25 employees. And then I was told during the interview with the person who had become my supervisor that one of the perks of working there is that after you worked there for one year, you would get your name embossed on the front door as one of the, uh, as one of the main people. Now, yeah. what I didn't stop to inquire about, even though I kind of already figured it out when I walked in there that morning, was that there were four names on the door for this company that had 20-some employees, uh, the owner, the owner's business partner, 
this person who would be my supervisor, who happened to be the owner's daughter, and the administrative assistant. So none of the salespeople, none of the uh, none of the service, customer service people, none of the innovators, none of them were on the door that this company had 27 employees. Okay, that should have been a clue about turnover. And then I remember uh, scheduling this interview, and this person who was interviewing uh, mentioned three times during this call when she called to respond to my resume to ask me to come in how it was important that I'd be absolutely prompt at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I had another job at the time which required me to be in the office at 8, so I'm already fudging my arrival time. It's a job I already had, so it's not like, hey, man, I got you late. I got an interview. And up there promptly at like 6.45. And she comes mm. strutting in at 7.30, surprised to see me. And then when I point out, hey, we have this interview at 7, and, uh, and I've been here since 6.45, she said, oh, well, I don't really go by my calendar. That should have been a clue right there. I don't want to take up all of your time by telling the whole story, but let's just say that I was there exactly 8 months and 16 days. And at the end of that 8 months and 16 days, Having over the course of the month or so before that started to feel the pressure that I really wasn't wanted there and having noticed that the majority of the people who worked there the day I started eight months and 16 days earlier had already left and been replaced by new people. I mean, it's like I saw it coming. In fact, I'd already been financially preparing and I already had my resume update and I was already reaching out to make contacts. So she decided by way of getting rid of me to accuse me of doing something I hadn't done. And her and the owner of the company, acting not like a business owner, but like an aggrieved dad dealing with somebody who hurt his poor little precious daughter's feelings, used all kinds of profanity, screaming, pounding his fist on the desk, and saying over and over again that I didn't have a clue, and there's no company out there that that deserves to have someone like me wrecking their operations. Yeah. And I and at the end of this tirade. He basically said I had two choices. I could go back to my desk, keep my mouth shut, speak only when spoken to, and know that no matter what I'm told, I'm going to just take it no matter who says what to me. Or I could get my lazy, worthless ass out of the mapping office right then. So I said, you know what? I think I'm going to take off some dates. And he said, sign his door. Yeah, good luck finding somebody who wants to put up with seeing your face every day. And I said, I think I will by Monday as I walked out. And the funny thing is, is by Monday I did have another job. I was working at a temporary assignment making more money than I made this other company. People told me at the time that one of these, you know, that is, is debilitating, that whole scenario made me throw at the time, that one day I would be telling that story to others to inspire them. And lo and behold, in November 2016, Journeys to Success the Millennial Edition, which is an anthology, came out, and my contributing chapter, chapter 13, which is called Two Days with Destiny, is about largely about that experience, and I celebrate the day that I was that I was asked to leave that company, which is really what happened, as my second birthday. I celebrated my second birthday to this day, and other people told me, "Well, you know, if you leave a job without having another job, no matter what happens, you'll never get another job." That was false. Uh, if you get fired or you find yourself unemployed, you're not going to get unemployment. Well. Turns out that was false because I knew how to fill out an unemployment application to make it quite clear exactly what had really happened. So yeah, they happily gave me the unemployment. The, the state agency gave me the unemployment. And I think what happened is when I, the way I filled out the application, the way I out my unemployment application, got back and forth as your previous employer, and they saw some of the things I wrote 
and some hints I dropped in there that I was more than happy to make a really big deal out of it if they chose to push me there. They just had to through and decide to allow me to get the unemployment compensation. Other thing mm -hmm. is, you know, I I grew up, uh, you know, not really sitting in in class and getting all these messages that I had to do such and such a thing, uh, that I had to follow this certain path, and basically live up to other people's expectations of me. And it took until I was almost 30 years old and became an entrepreneur myself to finally recognize that in the end, those people really weren't putting any money in my pocket, and it felt like they were there during my struggle. You know how they say there are three types of people in your life. Those who, um, those who are there for you during your struggle, those who are not there during your struggle, and those who cause your struggle. Well, mm -hmm. I looked back and I saw mostly people who caused my struggle. So just breaking free of that. And a lot of this changed in me. And this, yeah, I'm 42 now, so this is a figure 10, 12, 15 years ago. And this had to do with me adjusting my inner game. So where I think we can start there, and I think this will be really good for our listeners, is tell us more about inner game. I love to use the phrase inner game, and how does that work in your estimation? Yeah, yeah, great. Um, especially, you know, when I when I left that, uh, I suppose went bankrupt. I, you know, moved out. I started a relationship with my kids, and I ended up coming across somehow another a few months later a, a Tony Robbins CD. And I listened to track one and track two, and I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to, I want to help people never be in a situation where they, they feel like they're so backed into a corner they have no choice. You know, I, I built this prison around myself in that business, in that experience. And the interesting thing was is that that key point that I mentioned before is like, how did I go into a business with um, this core focus or notion to be different and to create a different experience than I had growing up as a kid. Yet I, I not only created the experience I had as a kid for my children, but I created it even worse. And what I realized and started diving into is around um, psychology, psychotherapy change, understanding how um, you know, uh, our inner game being, like our belief systems, our value structure, the way that we're wired, the, the family system we're brought into, creates a lot of the experiences we have. And what this, this key thing came up to me is that the experiences that we learn to, to survive become the experiences that our continued survival depends upon. So the experience that I learned to survive growing up was an experience that my father wasn't there, that I was brought up by my mother, that you know we always had enough money to put food on the table, but there was not ever a lot of spare money. And so because that was a survival experience to us, this is where we talk about um, the critter brain, the creature neurologist, the part of the brain that is a very old piece of software. It's the only part of the brain that exists in uh, animals. You know, we also as humans have the right and left cerebral cortexes, but the, the critter brain is that part of us that's responsible for two main functions. One is reproduction and two is survival. And, you know, back in the day when we were cavemen, you know, we had all these threats of, you know, poison berries and, you know, saber-toothed tigers and things like that, but we've evolved a lot since then. And so even though we've evolved a lot, I'm sure, you know, yourself and all your listeners have had experiences where someone has said something to you and you just overreacted and responded immediately without even giving a thought. And then you've later sat back and gone, man, like, I think I overreacted a little bit there. What, what the hell was that? What was going on? And that's these reactions from the critter brain, the creature neurology, you know, completely bypasses the logical levels of thinking. And so the inner game that I see is 
essentially the the lens and the glasses that we see life through because you know our perception of reality is realer than reality itself meaning that we never see life the way that that, that life is we see life the way that we are and you can have two seemingly different people having the same experience of life one who's really enjoying it and one who's finding it traumatic because their perception of life or their perception of reality is different and so you know, I started off in this journey um, getting my, my uh, degree, I suppose you'd say, in life coaching, learning a lot of NLP, uh, psychotherapy change, did a lot of different spiritual work and spiritual development, um, you know, neuroscience stuff, a little bit quantum. And what I started to realize is um, how when we work with someone in their inner game, it significantly affects what shows up for them on their outer game. So a lot of people are going out there like, oh, if I just had enough money, if I just bought this car, if I just got this job, if I just you know, found a woman, they're looking to experience life through the materialistic form of our external reality. Yet, the way that we actually experience life is within. We don't experience, like, um, you know, buying a new car as being the goal, although that's what we perceive it to be. But it's the experience of having a new car and how that new car makes us feel that we're really after in all of this. And so when I first started to coach people, um, it was interesting because I never planned on going in and coaching business owners because from my perception... I'd failed miserably at that. You know, I, I just went and learned this coaching thing, started to coach people. I was attracting a lot of people that had uh, sexual abuse issues, depression, anxiety, fears, phobias, things like that. And then one day I woke up and realized that 90% of my clients were all business owners. And although I was coaching them on personal situations and personal stuff, their businesses were flourishing ever since they started working with me. And I was like, isn't that interesting? And that led me down the motion of, of understanding and realizing that a business will never outgrow the business owner. And so therefore, in order for your business to keep growing, you as a business owner need to keep growing because, you know, remember that our reality is based on our perception of reality. And so if we have these beliefs, as I did back then, that, you know, you need to work hard to make a, to, to make a living, you know, all these other stuff going on, Plus, I'd had the experience growing up, my father wasn't there. Of course, I was always naturally going to recreate that experience for myself to either, you know, be safe in that experience because it's what I've learned to survive or find a way to break through it for generations to come. And so to me, um, Adam, the inner game is really around uh, our internal wiring as opposed to the outer game that we also teach, which is around strategy and tactics, you know, strategically planning your business, putting goals in place, learning how to, you know, build funnels and generate leads, how to sell leads, how to, you know, hire the right staff, train the right staff, set up systems and processes of leadership. All that sort of stuff is great. But also all that stuff is readily available on YouTube. Anyone can access it. And where I see that, that you know, we have a unique um, opportunity in the marketplace is that we first and foremost help our clients to market the inner game, which is the most important. And most people uh, just don't see that, don't recognize that. But then that also has to couple itself with the right outer game. Because if you go in with a business owner and help them to go and, you know, generate a lot of money or build a business that works without them, but there's not an integration piece, it's not holistic with their, their life views or with what they're really wanting to achieve within themselves, you could actually be sabotaging another area of their life. And so in, in building a business, you sabotage their relationship with their partner or with their kids or with their family or with their friends or you, you know, sacrifice their health as well. So that's, that's really, I suppose, you know, my key take on the inner game and the importance of it as well. Yeah, and, 
you know, we look at the power of the brain and how we involve neuroscience and some of the biology behind who people are. It's, we always wonder why people act the way they do or are motivated by the things they're motivated when, in some cases, that's not the correct way to do it or the preferred way to do it or the A answer. And the reality is, is people are designed in order to survive and thrive in their environment. And some of what we have driving us is vestibule from eras and civilization past that is just carried through in our DNA and carried through and the latency is how the way we're raised and the way we're socialized is passed down from generation to generation without folks necessarily remembering the reasons why. That, I mean, for the, if you talk about vegetable and you think about it, we have appendices we don't need, we have tailbones we don't need. When we get really cold or we get scared, we get goosebumps, which we don't need. It, uh, that refers back to a time when human beings were coated with hair, like gorillas, apes, or dogs or cats. But uh, it was designed to cause the fur to stand up, just like my cat sitting next to me right now. And if she got really angry or really scared, she would turn sideways and all of her fur would stand up. Humans have the ability to do that too, but we don't have the fur that would stand up that the vestibule reaction is still there. So bear that in mind when you think about what can impact your inner game. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to shift to one of the two key themes of what we're here to discuss today and tell us what you mean and what we need to know about building a purpose-driven business. Yeah, great question. Um, I have a belief that, you know, in order to create real world change, and this might, uh, this might trigger some of your, your viewers, so I apologize in advance. Um, in order to create real world change, we can't rely on the politicians. I think in order to create real world change, you know, it, it's up to us as entrepreneurs and business owners to really impact that. Because I see from a lot of the political parties, you know, more so in Australia here, is there's a lot of talk and not so much action. Yet I know so many right. entrepreneurs that are not even in the face of the media, they don't even necessarily have a social profile, and they're making a significant impact across the world. You know, there was um, a conversation that happened at the Geneva Convention a while ago now where a bunch of the greatest uh, business owners and entrepreneurs around the world gathered together and they came up with 17 goals that if they were to achieve these goals would eradicate the, 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 you know, the issues of the world. You know, issues like uh, hunger, issues like you know, people not, not having access to fresh drinking water, issues around um, you know, gender, around you know, tr you know, ch child trafficking, things like that. And, you know, for me, I think that we have a responsibility as business owners to really be clear on why we're in business. I think for a lot of people when they first move into business, Adam, it's really around the moving out of a space of, of survival for themselves. Like I met a lot of business owners during startup and their core goals in the beginning are just getting their monthly revenue to a position where they're able to pay themselves a good, a good wage and survive per se. And I, I, I've so far, we've never coached or mentored a business owner that hasn't moved past that into wanting to make a difference. And what I mean by that is that once their needs are being met, I've noticed every single time, very quickly, there's this internal shift that happens and they're like, how can I now help more people? Like once their needs are being met, once they've got a roof over their head, once they've got money coming in, there's no fear or concern or scarcity around them themselves being looked after, 
99% of the time, it's then how can I help other people? How can I help more, you know, how can I you know, invest, create, build, be involved with something that's bigger than myself? You know, outside of that as well, I think that we have a responsibility as business owners to really understand the impact that we have on our employees. You know, I think that many, many years ago, business was quite different to what it was now, what it is now, in terms of there was this military-type hierarchical situation, the way that leadership would operate in a lot of companies. And you look now, um, there's been a massive shift with that, with access to, to, to the socials and to the interwebs, to the ability to have you know, work-at-home roles. Um, you know, companies are starting to realise that, that they no longer can treat their employees that way and succeed. You know, they're providing flexible working hours, they're providing all these different opportunities. And I think that we need to understand the impact that we can make on our employees as well. Like, you know, like my company hires um, half a dozen or more of our team from the Philippines. And they're incredible human beings. They're so humble. They've got huge hearts. They bring a lot to our culture. They're treated like any other staff member, whether we have staff in, in the States or in Australia. But equally too, you know, I, I found out on my last trip to the Philippines that one of my staff members growing up was brought up eating rice and salt. That was it. That was her meal, right? Two, three times a day, rice and salt. She's now, uh, as of last month, just purchased her own house through working with us for the last couple of years. And, you know, it might not seem like much to, to, to people out there listening, but to be in the Philippines with her and to go through and understand how she grew up and what impact we've had on her life through seeing what that's done for her really changed my perspective a lot on the ability that we do actually have as business owners and, and how important it is to... You know, be there for our staff more than just their performance reviews, more than just handing them out tasks and responsibilities, but really be with who they are as a person. And, you know, what I found personally in, in my organisation is when you're like that and there's an issue with a staff or something comes up, to move them on is something to be celebrated. You know, I work with a lot of companies where people got fired, they got cast out, and there's always this, this undertow energy in the organisation of like, who's going to be next? Or... You know, there's this notion of like, well, that's how they treat people, you know, similar to your story before. And, you know, for us, we've, we've had a number of employees that we've moved on because we found that it, that it just wasn't alignment between us and them. So I think that when you're really clear on, you know, what is the vision um, being that, that, you know, sun in the sky, that big picture that is somewhat untangible, but, but, but a North Star, something you're heading towards in the business, when you have a clear mission, you know, your BHAG, your big hairy dashes goal, a 10-year goal, you know, that you're looking to achieve. Clear, divine values within your organisation, values that, you know, all your staff are in line with, they know what they are, and it allows to also impact the second part of what we're going to talk about today too, around building a business that works without you, because what happens is you create your business in such a way that it has its own DNA, even if you're not there. You could be somewhere on the other side of the world with no access to phones or internet, and your company is still operating with those same vision, mission, values, that same DNA that was created because your staff embody it, because your staff realise that this is far greater than them. You know, if you look at Tony Robbins' talks about six, six core needs, you know, the need to have certainty, the need to have variety, the need for significance, the need for love and connection. The last two needs, the need for growth and contribution, is that, you know, staff won't leave your business because they're getting paid more elsewhere. They'll leave your business because their needs aren't being met, because they can't see or don't feel that they're aligned to something bigger than themselves, which also relates back to the needs of that critter brain that we spoke about, the need to belong, you know, or the need to survive. If you create a business that has a sense of belonging, if you create a business that's underpinned by something bigger than just, you know, signing on more clients or selling more products, 
you'll have a purpose-driven business and you'll be far more fulfilled in life than you've ever thought possible. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that um, about what happens with companies is that it, there have been a number of studies that I've seen myself that have shown that in many cases, the number one reason why people leave one employer and go to another employer isn't because they're going for much more money. In fact, the reality of today's business environment is there often isn't much more money available somewhere else. It might amount to a cost of living increase. Then you have to balance that against starting over with a new company, uh, rebuilding yourself, uh, building a legacy and a reputation, and everything else that goes into it. Sometimes it just becomes actually more economical to stay where you are. Then people recognize that even good change is scary uh, because it carries a lot of unknowns, whereas the devil you know is the devil you understand, and usually the devil you can work around with. But mm. what drives so many people to find different opportunities, whether it's another job or become an entrepreneur? I know from my own experience, after I started my venture, I was doing it as a side hustle for about two years. Part of it is because, candidly, I didn't know what I didn't know, and I didn't know what questions to ask. I mean, there was a time when one of my mentors told me that if I really wanted to get serious about entrepreneurship, he would give me $3,000 in the United States. Not loan, not in advance on future work, give me $3,000. The condition was, uh, this, this conversation happened on a Friday, and he said, he said look, uh, I have the $3,000, it's in my account right now, so what needs to happen is Monday, you go in, give your notice, fax me, a, fax me proof you gave that notice, uh, something like a copy of the letter that I turned in or something like that. And he would then wire me the $3,000 and I would be set to go. I didn't have the mm. belief that such things were possible. And the irony behind it perhaps, and this is one of the reasons I have to tell this story, is I discovered that once I did make that jump about nine months after that, it actually cost me less than $3,000 to transform what has been a side hustle into a business that can easily support myself. I mean, I've done other things as well. I maxed out my paid time off so that when I cashed out and quit my job, I basically had the equivalent of two more months of income. I paid off all my credit cards. I paid off my car note early. So my expenses were nominal. And during these two years, although it really was time for me to move out of my parents' house, I stayed there for another two years. The reason being, quite simply, is that rather than pay rent somewhere else, I could take the money that I would be using to pay rent and invest it in growing the business. And then I could leave the revenues of the business in the business for reinvestment purposes. So it was a strategic move to uh, put off just ever so slightly that big, that big really kind of independence when you step out of your parents' house and get your own place and you you have that freedom. And I balance that against, well, in, you know, in a short amount of time, I'm going to have all the freedom because I'm not going to be working for a company. I'm going to have my own business. And uh, as an entrepreneur, I'm only going to work half days. I just get to choose which 12 hours it is. And life will be blessed. So, uh, so yeah, I think that, you know, we get into this. Um, and during that two-year phase where I had the side hustle versus the company, working for the company where I actually got promoted twice during that time, you know, I, I could have gone either way. I could have 
caught a corporate track and moved my way up, which was one of the options I saw in front of me that I worked for. And I figured I could do that and keep this little side hustle, which brought in some nice extra money and was fun to do. Or I could move towards the independence of having entrepreneurial life. What made the decision for me was the event that catalyzed that conversation about the $3,000 when I recognized that, that company that I worked for so long has changed from a place that appreciated its employees and made it feel we had a purpose, a mission, a revolutionary goal that we were going to do something big to just another company with all these rules and regulations. So the thing that actually catalyzed my journey to full entrepreneurship, and if I'm speaking candidly here, not telling the story that society expects me to tell, but telling my story, my truth, is that I realized I was in a job where the purpose that had been there before had disappeared. Mm. 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 So yeah, that's something to think about. <laughs> yeah. I think uh -huh. that um, I, I think that, you know, everyone's got a role and by no means um Am I against people having a job? Because if yeah. everyone was an entrepreneur, or everyone was a business owner, you know, I'd have no staff or no no team members. But I think that right. here's the thing: is that there's entrepreneurs, which are essentially entrepreneurs with inside an organisation. And I think that you know, if I look at my organisation, my my team um, aren't allowed to work more than thirty hours a week. I never collect a timesheet. Um, we don't have a physical office per se. My team is spread out all around the world, uh, work from home, and you know, as, as good as they could possibly get working for themselves without the stress and hassle of necessarily you know, chasing the bills or having to go and make sales every day. Right. And you know, that's, and, you know those are other things where I felt that that company I worked for was starting to lose purpose and become just a job when they actually went yeah. regressive on things like um, like uh, it used to be you had some flexibility like if you couldn't make it to the office due to extreme weather or, or something like that and you wanted to punch in from home and get your work done that was okay and then suddenly that wasn't okay. Then we went from you mentioned time sheets from filling out time sheets and the supervisor signed it to now get this again this is retrospective is standing in line to punch a time clock. Now, that may have its place in an industrial environment where you have a union and you have union contracts that are governing when people are supposed to be punched in, punched out when they're supposed to get their breaks. And the time clock log helps to preserve the compliance so that that company remains within its agreement with the union and with various labor standards. But in an office where people do office work, come on, really? Mm. I mean, that, 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 yeah. that, that, tells you, that tells you right there. If you ever wondered if you were a person or a number, that, that kind of makes it very clear. Yeah. 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 Very true. Right. Very true. Right. So now, we, so now we've done a lot of work on purpose here, and uh, we have about 20 minutes left here. Time is really flying. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, and for everybody listening, make sure to go to businesscreatorsradioshow.com and re-listen to this if you're catching it live, and be sure to subscribe to your favorite syndication network so you can get this sent directly to your, to your podcast feed or whatever it is you listen to, whether it's your iTunes, your 
Spotify, your Google Play, whatever it is, and listen to this one again because there's some really great nuggets of wisdom in the stories that Gary and I are kicking back and forth here. So in the title of our talk today, uh, Building a Purpose-Driven Business that Works Without You, we've dealt into the purpose-driven. Now let's get to the works without you part. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I think one of the important keys, Adam, was what I mentioned before is, um, you know, a lot of people underestimate, especially in early stages of startup businesses, the importance of having a vision, mission, and value. So like, oh, no, like, you know, I just, you know, create a funnel and sell some product and we're all good. And the reason that that's important is because you as a business owner are going to change and you have to change through every stage of growing the business. Like, who you are and who you need to be in terms of your belief, your values, um, your, your habits and your rituals, to grow a million dollar or $1.2 million business is very different to growing a $10 million business. And the interesting thing is, is there must be opposite traits that you need to get to a million dollars to get to $10 million. So if you keep doing what you've always done, you get what you've always got, and you'll never get over that seven-figure threshold. When we talk about building a business that works without you is that, you know, there needs to be something that's greater than money driving you. Otherwise, uh, what's going to happen is you reach a point where there's stagnation. And so when we talk about building a business that works without you, vision, mission, values are very important, even if it's just you, because they're going to be things that keep getting upgraded and, and updated when they change. But it is something to remind you when you reach those hard days. Everyone's got to reach um, times in business where they want to throw the towel in, where they question what they're doing, what's the purpose of it, whether it's worthwhile. And it's important in those days to really understand why you're doing what you're doing, because money alone won't get you through those blues. If we talk more of a, if we, we, we take a bit of a switch in gears from the inner game to the outer game now around that is there's a few key things that need to be in place um, to have that. You know, if you're currently under the half million dollar mark, um, realistically, majority of your time should be in, in invested in sales and marketing up to about the half million dollar, five hundred thousand dollar a year mark. And really, the only system that you should be creating in your business is a system around how do I generate consistent leads and how do I make consistent sales. Once you get over that half million dollar mark, your focus needs to shift a little bit because by that stage, there's a system in place that's generating leads and the system in place that's generating sales. The shift needs to start to be a little bit more around how do I now systemically deliver my product or service? So up until that point in time, you should then have fairly healthy cash flow. Uh, the systems need to start being created around how do I deliver a predictable and a repeatable product and or service? Uh, to my clients from around the half million dollar to 750 mark. Once we get to the 750 mark, the focus needs to change again to uh, financial management. How do I now profit and, and, and squeeze the absolute maximum amount of profit out of what I'm doing? Because by that stage, if, if this lesson's not learned, it will kick you in the butt later on. And typically speaking, you can often get to the, the three quarter million dollar mark. Um, without managing your finances too well. There still needs to be basic financial management, i.e. that what I'm selling is making, making money after delivery costs, uh, basic. But you can also, you know, under that 750 mark, there's often not a lot of employees involved in the business either. But really to the $1.2 million mark, um, it's really around hustle, it's around grit, it's around constantly taking action, being willing to fight fires, noticing where things go until you get over that point where it starts becoming a lot more around long-term strategic planning. If I talk about building business that works without you, there's a couple of key things. First and foremost, 
I think that that needs to be decided like today. Either the, the, the best time to decide would have been yesterday or before you started the business. The second best time is today. Is to decide today because what happens is that when we have a clear uh, vision, mission, values, goals for our business, it allows us to start to filter in the experiences, the opportunities, the resources to fulfill on that. So we need to first and foremost make it paramount that that, that is something that we want to experience. And this is not to say that you can't work in the business, but really it's understanding the fact that if you haven't got a business that works without you, you've essentially built yourself a job. Right? It might be a job that you're in control of to some degree, but it's the job that I built myself you know, eight, nine, ten years ago where I couldn't step out for a day without things falling apart. Whereas now I'm fortunate enough I can step out of my business for at least three months and come back and know that the thing has still grown, know that we've still delivered exceptional value to our clients, know that we've increased our profitability, know that we've increased our revenue because of how I've set things up. And you know, as I said, one part of it is really being clear on the notion of, of why you want to do that for yourself. And it's not because we don't want to work. Like I absolutely love doing what I'm doing. But it's because until you get to that point in time, you've got a job. And I really need you know, the listeners to, to, to get that, is that you might be in control of the job, but if you have to get up every day, every week, every month to, to, to go into your business, you have a job. You haven't yet got a business. And it's kind of the difference between right. um, a, slot, a, a slot machine and an ATM. You know, you walk up to a slot machine, you put money in, you pull the lever, and you hope that it rolls up with, with, with your numbers. You hope that it rolls up in a way that produces money for you. Whereas an ATM, if you walk to the ATM and you put your card in there and you enter the right PIN number and you've got money in the bank, it's guaranteed that money's going to come out the other side. And so we need to start thinking about business more as an ATM than a slot machine and setting things up in such a way. There's basic things that we go through with our members to ensure they can do that. You know, a big part is around systems and processes. A lot of people think that, you know, a lot of business owners think that they have to create these themselves. I, I disagree. I think that there's really only one core system or process that we need to create, and that is the, the, the system for creating systems. And once we have that, we should then be empowering our staff to go and create these systems. And so rather than thinking that you have to have all the, the, the responsibilities worked out before hiring someone, hire someone, teach them how to systemize a project or a task, then train them, and as you train them, have them create the systems for everything you train them on, which which you know saves a significant amount of time, and also ensures that the systems are actually done better. Because often, as a business owner, we do a lot of things um, through unconscious competence, where you know we've been doing them so long that we just forget a lot of the steps in between. Because it's just it's you know, how often have you had the experience, Adam, where you you pulled up in the driveway and you actually haven't remembered the trip home. Right. Yeah. We haven't really yeah. 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 the, the trip there yeah. because you've driven that road so often. Yeah. That is so like, that is a So the difference is what I would say is the system is more a how-to. So 
you know, we start off with a few basic things. This is the purpose of, of you know, the system might be um, how, to, how to reconcile Barry's email account. And so if the purpose-wise is important, um, who's, to, who's to do this role, when's it to be done, and what are the steps to, to, to take, you know, steps one to ten. And then there's always like a what is done look like, which might be videos, it might be images. So it gives the person a visual representation of what done looks like. Then we have processes which are around flowcharts. So uh, we might have a flowchart of you know, leads through to sales. So it, it goes through and it maps out every step from generating a lead through one of our, one of our social channels um, through to sign, signing a client up. And we might have a process around once we sign a client up, the journey they take from the moment they, they come on board as a client to the moment they leave as a client. And that process has a series of steps. Each one of those steps is a system that we spoke about before. And the really cool thing is that once you have these systems in place, you put them onto a project management software like um, Asana or Teamwork Basecamp, something like that. You assign it to a uh -huh. team member and it gets set up as reoccurring. And that's the missing link. This is how you know, any one of my staff members can have a day off or a week off. We can have another staff member sign into their account on Asana and pick up their projects as if, as if they, they have always been now. And it means that we have a very right. diverse team Everyone's able to do each other's roles because even though they're not trained on them, we have such good systems process in place they can pick up their account and see, oh, this needs to be done today, or this needs to be done tomorrow, or this needs to be done this week. And so this part that I shared before around the inner game is around really making sure that we've got clear vision, mission days, and we constantly stay aligned to that, and we constantly indoctrinate our culture around aligning to that and making sure that we have staff that are aligned to that, they're on board and they're, they're um, fulfilled by that vision, mission, and those values. But then we also need the outer game, which is the more so the strategy and the tactical parts where you know, we have these systems and processes set up, which means, as I said before, you know, I could take three months off from my business and know without a shadow of a doubt that my team are able to, to jump in and get things done. They're able to generate leads. They're able to make sales. They're able to, to work and coach with our clients without me being involved. And I think, to be honest, that should be the goal of every business owner to get to that stage, not because you don't want to work in your business, but because if anything ever happened to me, I know that my kids, I know that my partner financially would be looked after now. I know that my clients would be looked after. Like my business wouldn't fall apart if I was taken out for the next month or two months or three months. Right. And I, and I, think, that, I think that when we think about you know, our systems and things like that, I use project management systems as well for one of my businesses where we have uh, teams involved where they are either handing tasks back and forth or something where it's kind of a processy sort of thing where we need to track a lot of balls or otherwise up in the air. And one of the things that I discovered is when you know when I when I was moving that particular vector, because I started it solo familiarly because I was in a mode where I was getting it quickly to a point where it could pay for itself because I realized that it was actually a fairly low threshold to entry. So for a short period of time, I did all the legwork just so I could keep all the money and quickly get it to where the revenues of that venture itself could pay for me to hire people. Then I hired people. Now, in building the tracking system for myself, I recognized that I built those based on my competencies, my latencies, and what made sense for me. So when I brought new people on, what I did is I actually simplified some of those processes. I went back into teamwork. I went to my uh, task list template. I actually removed some stuff and streamlined some things just as a there was a broad outline of it. And I have two people 
in the company that each work doing the same type of task. However, they may have their own style. So what I did is I asked them to look at the task template, tell me if this is something that is user-friendly and not to mention fun for them. Because if they don't enjoy it, they're going to lag on it. They actually have to enjoy logging in and keeping all this stuff up. But what I discovered is both of them had suggestions on how to modify the task list or the task list template, which is that thing you can import uh, so you have a pre you know, you have a prepared set of steps to go into doing any task or any project and teamwork and I imagine a lot of other software is the same. And they asked for changes to their templates, but each one asked for different changes. What I was concerned about is that they got the end result and it was a quality end result. Little adjustments mm -hmm. to their task template for each one, not a big deal because anybody that's familiar with teamwork knows you just go to your template management section, click clone of the master template, name it after that person, and then make the adjustments to that person. So even within your system, you have the ability to make adjustments for an individual human being that's going to make compliant with the process so that it gets done and we have the tracking, we have the accountability, not only user-friendly for them based on what they bring to the table, but fun, candidly fun. Very important. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So true. It doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be challenging, it doesn't have to be difficult, Adam. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs avoid um, putting systems in place. I know I did for a long time because it's, you know, high detail, it takes a lot of time, it's not you know, it doesn't give you the feels of, of going and closing a sale or creating a new you know, idea or product or something like that. But you know, if if you really understand what it can give you as an entrepreneur, it, it is very much short-term pain for long-term gain. You know, I'm very, very fortunate for the life that I live now because I created it, because I went through everything I went yeah. through, learnt my lessons, implemented the change, and have created this now. And, you know, last week we had to, to let go of one of our salespeople, and because of the, the structure that we have in place, we hired a new salesperson within the first week. They were, they were making sales. They were, they were bringing new clients into our program within the first week, right? And, and within the first week, they consumed no more than maybe half an hour of my time at the most because we have a very, very solid process and system in place for our sales process, for our onboarding of new sales staff. So, you know, in the past, that would have taken me, you know, 10 hours a week for at least the first four to six weeks to bring a salesperson and train them up before they even started converting converting any new clients. And so when you look at that from a time perspective, the one thing that, that neither you or I or anyone yet has worked out how to, to create is more time. And so, you know, really systems will set you free and, you know, having that goal of doing a business that works without you allows you to impact a lot more people, make a lot more money that money and have a lot more free time. Yeah, agreed. I mean I think that I think that all these things are very important, and when you have all this together, and you're also aligning your purpose-driven organization with the purposes that drive the people who support that, uh, and sometimes it isn't a little thing, you're going to find you have a business that works without you, because here's, I mean, here's what I say to everybody who works with me, and I have several contractors in my business. I, uh, uh, I, I usually work with companies uh, that will assign people to me. And what I'll say is, look, I understand that I'm not your only client, and I wouldn't really expect you to put all your eggs in one basket with me because I'm not hiring you as a full-time employee. 
But what I do want is to be your most fun client. I want to be the one that when uh, you have a choice to make, you get excited about. So that's my commitment. Mm. Yeah. 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 We share a lot of similar values, mate. Yeah, absolutely. So we're right now right here at the top of the hour, and what I wanted to do is, uh, first of all, uh, Barry, Megler, Dee, I want to thank you so much for uh, being a game changer and helping us understand some concepts around building a purpose-driven business that works without you. And I was excited to by the forays into the inner game and the neuroscience and into understanding where we come from and how we're socialized and how that impacts us and how we can draw those lines to make those changes. So let's say you have somebody leaning in who is curious to discover more with you. Uh, do you have anything for us? Is there some place they can go? Uh, do you have something to offer? So I'll turn the floor over a minute to you to uh, share with us. Yeah, look, if, um, if your viewers and listeners want to go to um, thegamechangers.com.au, uh, you can register on there for um, a game plan session. Essentially what happens is you'll speak to one of my team for 15 minutes just to kind of uh, help us and help you understand whether or not we may or may not be able to help you. Um, if from that 15-minute call we can see there's an opportunity to help you out, and typically we look for a couple of things. Number one is that you know what you want or you've got an idea of what you want with some coaching. Number two is that you're a, a decent person, you've got good values and you're easy to talk to. Number three is that you, you want some help, you're open to receiving help and you're coachable. Uh, if all those things are met, then we look at booking you in for what we call the game plan session where we'll spend an hour with you free of charge, help to under, really understand you know, where you're at right now, both you and your business, where is it both you and your business want to go, and we'll, we'll do a bit of digging to really make sure that we get clear on what that is within your inner game, and then we'll actually help you in that time create a plan uh, to get that game plan. If at the end of the call, um, you'd like to work with us to implement that, we'd, we'd love to, to look at welcoming you into one of our programs. But if not, either way, you walk away uh, with one of those custom game plans for you to go and implement into your business. So the easiest way is to jump into uh, thegamechangers.com.au, uh, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and register for a, uh, for a game plan session. Absolutely. So again, I encourage everybody who's listening, check out Barry's website at... Uh, it's thegamechangers.com.au. Remember, it's an Australian website to add the .au at the end. So, Barry, Barry Magliardini, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. You're most welcome, mate. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please be sure to check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where well, we help you win in the game of business and marketing so you fly from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Check us out at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, and we will see you next time. Until then, have a great day. Take care.